Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Testing one, two, three, and we are a go. Welcome to another episode of the Lonely Heart Sports Podcast. Got a good amount on tap. Going to touch base on the Ryder Cup and the U.S.'s crushing victory over Europe at Whistling Straits, 19-9. Also going to touch base on some football as base and baseball as well as we look forward to the postseason as that gets closer. But like I said, we'll start off with some Ryder Cup talk. U.S. defeated Europe in crushing fashion 19 to 9 um nobody expected that we were wrong we wanted the u.s to win but we thought europe would win but hey i'm just glad i'm glad that we won on home soil that's back that's back-to-back victories on home soil in the Ryder cup first time in a while that that has happened most it's the most dominant victory in in the Ryder Cup, I think since 1979 or something like that. But I'll let you take this away, sir. We'll have your takes on it. Yeah. So the so the past really decade now, I would say two decades, um, the USA has just been dominated by Europe, as we talked about last week. I mean, you heard me and Jeremy both say we thought Europe was just going to take it, just because I mean, typically seen how years pass, how USA always has the more dominant team. And they ended up still finding a way to lose. I mean, especially the last Ryder Cup where Patrick Reed and his wife going off to the media complaining about the team. Um, that was really the last job of the Ryder Cup because then in 2020, they get canceled for COVID. It's finally back. And I mean, I did not expect this coming at all. I mean, it was just it, it, uh, unreal, to be completely honest. I mean, who would have thought, if you would have told me going into Sunday afternoon that the USA would be up by as much as they are, that really only needed to winning two two or three of their singles matches to win the title, I would have said you're lying. But, I mean, the USA really did this in dominating fashion. It seemed like this whole team really did rally around each other and want to get the job done, it felt like. I mean, you saw Brooks Koepka and Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, afterwards, the party was hilarious with their stepbrothers' T-shirts the whole team were wearing with DeChambeau and Koepka's faces on them. Um, but, no, it was just all around. Like, I mean, Friday morning, the foursomes – we went three and one. Uh, the only team losing was our first group of Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth. Um, my only real complaint that I had from the USA team was, I mean, me and you talked about this, uh, was just uh, the Friday afternoon during the four ball, uh, separating the team of Patrick Cantley and John Softly, considering how dominant they were winning five and three in their first match. And they split them up in the Friday afternoon four ball. That is where I thought USA could have lost some traction and seemed not to matter anyways. Uh, considering we then won two out of the we won two and uh, tied two on Friday afternoon and like going into Saturday, I mean you just kind of felt momentum with the USA team, and then again just dominating Saturday morning and dominating Saturday afternoon again, and then the Sunday singles, even though we didn't need as many wins as we did, still dominated. I mean USA really just had full control of this tournament the whole time, beating Europe nineteen to nine. I mean. It was just an absolute slaughter, and it, it's like you said, the, the the biggest Ryder Cup win ever, and this is just unreal. 
Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much lamb to the slaughter right from the get-go, honestly. I mean, we all we touched base, like, about it, like, last week before the Ryder Cup, and it's like, well, do we, we really didn't think that the United States had a chance at all against Europe, mainly because, well, we had thought that Europe's golfers, like, were more prepared for match play, whereas our golfers, like, we just chose the best golfers. And the thing is, though, it's like a general consensus, like, just in – just in the general like golf world, like everybody like really was counting the United States out more or less um, before the Ryder Cup even started on Friday. So, I mean, this is this kind of came as a shock to all of us, not only because the United States won, uh, but also just how convincing, like you said, nineteen to nine. Like, I mean, you really don't expect like something like that to happen but the thing is though is like i i mean i was just i was just baffled i'm like you know friday like friday after friday morning when we were when we took three out of the four i'm like well we have a three one lead i didn't expect that to happen then friday afternoon like we tie we win two we tie two uh we go into the lead on saturday with that we go into saturday with that lead um, and I'm like, okay, we got a Friday lead. Like, you know, we'll see what happens Saturday morning. Saturday morning comes around. We still continue to lead. Saturday afternoon comes. I'm like, Saturday afternoon passes by, and I'm like, two and a half points. We only need two and a half points, like, to clinch the Ryder Cup. And I'm like, how, how is this happening? I'm just like, how is this happening? There's no, like, what the hell? I mean, the thing is, though, is, like, it just, it just worked on all cylinders for us. I mean, it... I I don't know what Stricker, Mickelson, any of them did to like motivate the players because obviously like I would not neither of us were there. But the thing is though is like whatever they did, like it worked. And what I like about it is that the crazy thing is about this is that based on how this Ryder Cup team performed, we've got them for the pre- we could practically send the same team for the president's cup in 2022. And we can also send this same team to the Ryder cup in 2023. Well, I mean, yeah, I I think I was going to touch on that as well. I think this is kind of like a patching of the torch thing, because I mean, clearly we all know going into this Europe did have the older team and the U S team was coming in with a lot of Ryder cup rookies who are just phenomenal golfers as it is. But I mean, the oldest golfer on our team is Dustin Johnson, who is still one of the best golfers in the world. He went, uh, five and all this weekend and his when he played he played in all uh all four, five of the matches um has the best Ryder cup record ever for a player winning five and oh yeah i mean this team just looks like you're like you said like they they can play in like for a couple of years to come now granted next Ryder cup there will be a new captain and whatnot but i still think like this team was probably for the for the most part, it's going to be the same golfers. And I think we could really see just U.S. dominance from here for the next a lot of years to come now, just because you, you saw Europe's team is a lot older than the U.S. here. I mean, they sent Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, and Paul Casey over there, who are definitely veterans. And even, you can even throw Sergio and, Garcia in and there. And Sergio well. Garcia, I was just about to say that he's, he's definitely he, in there. And they're just well, Westwood Ryder and Cup. Garcia have participated in Ryder Cups in four different decades. Yeah. Yeah, and they're just uh, – like, you, you saw, like, before Europe dominance with these guys especially. But, I mean, it definitely didn't help Europe that Rory McIlroy really didn't have his best weekend of golf. I mean, he played all right. And he played all right in the team matches. 
Um, he won his singles match on uh, Sunday against Xander Shoffley. But, I mean, Rory McIlroy really didn't show up at all. And the only, Europe's only saving grace was John Rahm. But, I mean, all of us could have guessed that John Rahm is the best golfer in the world, even though on uh, – yeah, he's the best golfer in the world. And even uh, Scotty Scheffler, though, in the Sunday singles, looked the best golfer looked the best golfer in the face and beat him four to three on Sunday in their singles match. Yeah, I mean Scotty Scheffler went when uh Scotty Scheffler he went a birdie, 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 birdie on the first four holes. I yeah, mean, exactly. You, it was you, insane you to watch. That. Yeah, I mean this this was a course that even you heard Dustin Johnson say this. He goes, "Par's a good score here." And the birdie four holes in a row just really is going to guarantee you that match. I mean, all the USA players look phenomenal this weekend. I mean, th- this weekend for me, I mean, Bryson DeChambeau really saved face for himself with a lot of American supporters. Um, I- I'm assuming people are going to be laying off of the chirps at him for a while now just because how he performed. But I really do think Justin Thomas has become the new Captain America. I get he didn't win. He did the him in. <clears throat> excuse me him and Spieth didn't really play too well in their uh foursomes but oh um, no not at all but Spieth, I, mean, I mean saturday, general, saturday, really saturday, saturday they, they went two up saturday they were two up but um he really wasn't the best but i mean he was that player you saw uh, saw all over instagram on twitter and stuff justin thomas being really the face of usa golf just in terms of getting the fans hyped up and getting the fans ready. i mean him and Daniel Berger uh, on the Saturday, the four ball, the afternoon, both of them shotgunning beers before the uh, before they teed off on their uh, the Saturday four ball was just great to see. And I really do think it like it did seem like this USA team just all rallied together and they're you know like we're sick of this losing mentality that USA does have over the past decade. Like I said last week, they were two and seven in the last decade against this Europe team, and this really I think is going to be a turning of the tides for the USA team just because of all our young talent coming up and Europe's aging now, and they don't have as many good golfers coming up through the ranks as USA do, unfortunately for them. Oh, I agree there wholeheartedly on everything you just said, because the thing is though, is like going back to it. Um, I'm not, I do think the fact that it was on home soil, like, and the crowd did play a factor. Like, oh, you don't give me that. Yeah, especially Europe did have no fans over here. That probably didn't help at all because I mean, typically in past Ryder Cups, you saw fans get the travel. Um, yeah, you saw get the fans to get the travel. Yeah, Europe's travel and- ban. Yeah, there was only really ten. You really only saw like ten Europe fans there, and they're the fans that I'm pretty sure the PGA plays to be pays to be there, along with the ten thing- USA fans as well all the time just to get the chance going. Exactly. So the thing is, though, is like they were practically outnumbered 100 to one practically if Europe had any fans. But the thing is, though, is like the crowd factor, you know, the U.S. looked like the U.S. just looked like they were having more fun. Like that's the thing. That's the one thing about golf. Like when and this can be attributed to any sport, honestly, if you act like you're having fun and you look like you're having fun, like you're going to win nine times out of ten. Unless something stupidly, stupidly catastrophic happens, it, like, it definitely does they, help as well that USA gets to set the course up how they want it. As well, I think well, I think the Ryder Cup kind of needs to change that because I do think it is unfair for both teams, even USA going over to European soil. Like, I, I get it; it's at home field advantage, but I think they got to tone it back a little bit because I mean, clearly you saw USA just have the bigger hitters for the most part, rather other than really Rory McIlroy. Um, that are long hitters like 
whenever we go to Europe, Europe sets it up just short and th- uh, thin fairways because USA always seems to struggle to hit fairways. Then whenever Europe comes over to the U.S., U.S. is setting it up just long, just these long courses where they can just have guys pound the ball out there, whereas Europe, you guys can't do that as much. Well, the thing is there is that, like, you know, yeah, home field advantage is a thing, and that does happen, obviously, given the, given the fact of everything. Um, uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, like, there were a lot of factors that definitely contributed. Like, you know, obviously the course play, in the course being an advantage to the American players, golfers over the European golfers, the fans being an effect mainly for that. And also, like I said, Europe, to, honestly, going back to what I said, Europe just looked like they didn't have, weren't having fun. Like, you saw, like, Bryson DeChambeau, Scotty Scheffler, Xander Shoffley, like, Justin Thomas, I, I, all down the line. The only one that really didn't look like he was having fun was Spieth, but that's because Spieth really didn't have a good rider cup. He didn't have a good rider cup, no. But, so, but the thing is, though, is, like, down the line, you're watching them. Like, as they're golf, like, they're making putts, you know, they're getting on the fairways and everything. Like, they're celebrating with each other. They're getting into it with the fans. Like Europe, like the European, the European golfers, like if they did something, they'd be like, yeah. But the thing is, those like nobody was like with them or like, you know, they kind of just looked like they didn't look like they fit in or belonged. And it's like, wow, what what's happening? I mean, I guess I could say the same thing if like we were over in Europe, like because of like the travel and everything like the I'm pretty I'm going to say that the opposite probably would happen. Like we would look our golfers would look so out of place and Europe would be the European golfers would be like, you know, dominating. Um, uh, So that it, it was a weird Ryder Cup in that sense, in my opinion. But like I said. Our golfers had fun. They golfed really well. They didn't have any problems. Brooks and Bryson got along. Bryson DeChambeau is uh, a hero to American golf because, well, he actually performed very well, and he didn't have any outbursts towards the fans, and he actually was getting along with who he was golfing with on the foursomes and four ball. He, um, uh, who was it? No, um, he didn't play. He didn't play in foursomes. No, sorry, not foursomes. No, I, four I, ball. Think, when he I, I do four think. Ball. I do think that. Um, he, they were kind of scared to play him in the foursomes just because you don't know what you're going to get with Bryson DeChambeau, not not just personality-wise. I'm saying when it comes to him trying to get off the tee, he has been very inconsistent all season. Like when he is on, clearly you see he's in contention to win tournaments. But when he's off, he's one of – Oh, I know. And, and that ruins his mood because you, yeah, you, it will ruin his mood. And that's when you see him start throwing out blame on other people rather than himself. So I think it's a smart move to keep him off the four subs team, but I think it's absolutely phenomenal to put him in the four ball just because he's a guy that can pound the piss out of the ball and put it out there and be like, okay, I can go out here and make a uh, birdie or eagle. Whereas like you, you guys are just playing for par back here. So like, even if our guy goes par par and the shambo takes a bogey because something stupid happened, we're still pushing the hole anyways. Yeah. Because they took the one hole, they took the one hole and I free and Dumb me here. Who is his four ball partner? Scotty Shuffler. Are you talking about his Friday afternoon shot? No, I'm talking about like on Saturday, like when they were. I'm Saturday. Oh yeah, I'm yeah, talking... yeah. He, well, he did play with he did play with Scotty Shuffler both days, Friday and yeah, Scotty Shuffler. I like they took they were in in his four ball matchup on Saturday. It was kind of like back and forth, and they eventually took the they took the one hole that swung momentum into 
for for their team and he just like and he went and he gave a fist bump and he did a chest bump and like that was probably the most excited like i saw bryson DeChambeau in a long time and like you could see like that the crowd was like with him and he was having like you could see like the raw yeah, emotion I mean, from I mean, that you saw the video too it was when it, i forget what hole it was but he on it was a short par four and he was putting his driver back in the bag and you hear the fans go ah and he goes don't worry guys i'm still going for the i'm still going for the green proceeds to hit the green and the cow goes crowd goes crazy and he's firing him up so that's just good to see like it definitely helps when they're in good moods especially with him there's probably zero people booing Bryson DeChambeau this weekend so it definitely helped his mental state as well because we know how he is just a mental pretzel when it comes to that stuff it seems like exactly exactly he'll the the relationship between DeChambeau and fellow golfers and the fans will be good for a few will be good for some time to come but overall, like I said, a good Ryder Cup. We dominated, kicked Europe's ass, sent them back over to the over across the pond. Twenty twenty three, just like seventeen seventy six, baby. Just with England, not whole Europe, though. Just not with the whole Europe, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we'll be over there in Europe in twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty two is the Presidents Cup, which means we'll face the best golfers from the rest of the world. Well, I think we have a better shot to win Presidents Cups typically than we do Ryder Cups. Yes, because the European, like when we play, when our golfers go up against the golfers, the best golfers from the rest of the world, the no offense to the other international community, no offense to the other international golfers, they're just not as good as the European, the golfers from Europe. Yeah. Also, a lot of them like really aren't well known either. And that's, that's kind of sad in a way too. But um, uh, like I said, you know, I'm, I think I, I think Tiger, Tiger will be a captain. And I wouldn't say when is it in four years now? It's got it's going to a Beth Plage Black, and we know Tiger loves that course. Um, that's where USA will be playing at home at Beth Plage Black in New York. I think yep. Tiger will be the captain there just because he loves that course. I could see issues there though because I do think Mickelson also wants to captain the team there. But, I mean, that's years to come, but just something to think about, which is I just think it's funny because it's like, who do you give it to? Like, clearly, both are the two of the greatest golfers ever, and both of them are going to want to captain that course unless Phil Mickelson steps up and says he'll captain because I think it's in Rome, right? It is in yeah, Rome. In so Rome, he'll so probably right. captain in Rome in 23, and then, uh, well. Do you Tiger think Tiger would be a vice captain for him if he asked? If he's asked, probably. I would say uh, so. Yeah. I knew I knew you'd come bring Tiger across at some point. Uh, apparently, he sent a bunch of texts like to players um, uh, on Friday, uh, wishing them luck and everything. So that was good there. Yeah, um, I, I mentioned it last week whether he would show up or he's going to do something over the phone. Unfortunately, we didn't see any Tiger sightings there. But I mean, it is good that I mean you saw him saying like he loves to, he loves this stuff and he like hates missing. I mean, even Phil Mickelson said he wouldn't have missed this Vikes captaincy for the world. Like he loves this. Ima yeah. Imagine if he, imagine if he just walked out on the first tee Sunday morning. Like, I mean, it was over at that point. Anyways, I think, I think but, if he would have walked out a little bit on Friday. Yeah. But what I'm saying is I like Sunday morning, like, you know, you have the lead and everything. Crowd's oh, just so, like yeah. waiting for crowds, just like waiting for like the first tee. All of a sudden, like you see Tiger just show up unannounced, and Europe might as well just got back on the plane after that, anyways. But it I is mean, a they... lot more fun to watch uh, to watch team golf rather than just singles golf, just because I mean, like you see, like every weekend, like there's a lot, like a lot of these guys that on both Team USA and Team Europe, like me and you, like, and so we can catch ourselves cheering for them any Sunday 
but it's just fun when you get the team aspect into it and like you have USA to cheer for. Like I think it's cool. Oh, I agree too. I agree too. Which I found funny in a way too, because I'm pretty sure that um a number of the fans and Wisconsin for the Ryder Cup, even though like they were obviously cheering on the United States, like they had to be like some point like, hey, I like John Rom. Hey, I like uh I I like Lee Westwood. But the thing is though is like, you know, they're on the opposition. You can't cheer for them. <laughs> right. I mean, when we go to Europe, the USA team always just get plastered by those European fans. It's almost like you're at a soccer, a European soccer atmosphere over there when you go over to Europe for those things. Um, so it definitely is good to see. I, it definitely was a little bit unfair this year that no European fans could really travel. Besides, I think some media members from Europe were allowed to travel with the team. That's about it. And, and, family, and then you had families. Rigs, then you had Riggs from Barstool who hopped, who hopped ship. Yeah, and he got roasted by everybody. everybody. Got I, mean, by I, I, see, I, I see where Riggs was coming from with his arguments, but you can never just like you can't hop ship from your team. I know me and you said we think Europe's gonna win. It doesn't mean we weren't cheering for the USA. Exactly. It's not like I jump ship, be like, hey, I want Europe to win. Oh no, Europe is shit. All right, let's abandon ship, go over to oh hey guys, I want the US to win. No, that's not how it works here. I stand by my takes, no matter how terrible they may be. I mean, yeah, I mean, I had a terrible take last year saying Houston was going to win or possibly make the playoffs by winning their division. Hey, hey, we'll get into that in a minute. We'll get get into that in a minute. Actually, no, let's get into that now because I don't have any more on the golf. Do you have any more on the golf? No, I don't have any more on the golf. I mean, I mean, golf season is up and running again now with the first tournament being last weekend. Um, So golf's already swinging again. You really don't get any breaks when it comes to golf. No big tournament, so we're not going to be talking about it as much just because there's going to be no big-name players there. It's all going to be the lower-tier lower, lower tier guys playing in these tournaments upcoming probably till fr- I, I would I say think- right around right around when we get to the players is when you're going to start seeing the bigger names start getting into this. Um, I think we'll start talking in March, yeah. We'll yeah. start talking right, right in around, March. Right around the players is when golf gets interesting again. Um I mean, like in January, they get to go to Hawaii. Like, I mean, that's a great offseason. Like, lucky them. Lucky them, exactly. But, yes, golf season, even though golf season never ends, but here's one season that we are in pretty much getting into the heart of already, and that is football season. And, well, your team is good. My team is dog shit. (laughs) I really don't want to talk about my team. Although Daniel Jones has not played terrible, and knock on wood, he has not thrown an interception. Uh, he has not thrown an interception this season, and has only one of five quarterbacks to to do that. I believe. I believe that is the case there. So, instead of focusing on our teams, because well, we could go on forever. About- the Bills are back. The Bills are back. I don't care. Yeah. So you give, can- give us give Pittsburgh tomorrow. We're three and we got to take that Pittsburgh game back. I mean, week, so, one, week one is always a fluke. You can never really take any. So that's I mean, actually, let me go into that actually, but because I wanted to talk about other teams around the league. I wanted okay, to I, just wanna, I, I don't want to talk about the Bills. I just want to say week one, typically every year, it, don't take Overreaction don't, Monday. Don't, I don't take it as face value by any means ever in week one. I mean, you just got the teams just starting getting going again. There's always upsets. Clearly, we saw one with the Bills and them. But week one, always, you can never take it at face value, ever. No, overreaction Monday is the worst day in the NFL because you you, you see what happens on a week-to-week basis, and it's like, oh, no, we suck again. Right, then you just get like into the season, and it's like, hey, wait, no, we're not terrible. All right, well, can we hop into the AFC West first if we're going to be talking about a little bit of overreactions? Let's. 
I'm actually glad that you went there. The Chiefs do not sleep on the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't care that they're I don't care that they're one and two. Don't sleep on them. I mean, they have problems that they need to ad- address. But the thing is, though, is like the AFC West is like the Kansas City Chiefs like are not terrible. They're one and two. Their defense is their their defense. Yeah, it needs and and Tyreek Hill being shut down two weeks in a row, and in those two weeks where he was shut down, them losing. Definitely isn't a good look for that offense with all the weapons they have. So it, it kind of makes you, like you said, it's still early in the season, but it kind of makes you question, is that really the heart of the offense rather than Patrick Mahomes? Well, what kills me about it is like, yeah, you take, you have Tyree kill, but you also have McKee. Well, you also have Nicole Hardman. You have Travis Kelsey, probably the best tight end in the league. And if, depending on who you ask, okay. If you, if depending on who you ask there. The only um, person that would say different is if you ask a 49ers fan are going to say Kittle. Or if you ask a New England uh, or Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, and they'll probably just be like, Gronk, 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 Gronk. Um, <laughs> no, but, uh, but, uh, I, do but think, yeah. I do think, though, that Kansas you're right. I mean, you, you're stupid if you think Kansas City's out of this at all. Oh, I, I agree, yeah. You're getting, they're one and two. Um, defense has been spotty this year for sure. Yeah, they've allowed I, thirty point at least like thirty points yeah. a game, like in each of their three games. They gave up almost thirty to Cleveland. They gave up 35, 36 to Baltimore, and they gave up what thirty one to to the Chargers. Yeah, can we actually talk about that last play for or the Chargers last drive for a second? I was very confused when they took off the kicking team to go for it on that fourth and whatever it was. I was very confused. A lot. I mean, it turned out to be great in the end. But my thing is, you're play- I, I, I get you can take this both ways. You're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. If you kick the field goal, you give Pat Mahomes enough time to go down and score. But if you don't convert that fourth down, you're giving him the ball back anyway. So why well, not? Well, it was like point? with Lamar Jackson in week two. Like yeah. Lamar Jackson chose to go for it. If you kick the ball away, you're giving Patrick Mahomes a lot of time to uh, go down the field and win the game. Uh, and if the thing is, though, is like even if you don't convert, it's like you're giving Patrick Mahomes the ball regardless. So I like the gutsy calls because those gutsy calls, both by the Chargers and by the Ravens, ultimately proved to be good on their end. And that's why the Kansas City Chiefs are one and two. I mean, also it's because their defense is terrible and they do need to address those issues. And they probably should have tried to go for Richard Sherman instead of uh, signing Josh Gordon. uh, Yeah, I mean, I I get it. It adds another weapon to that offense. But I really do think that if you get take Tyreek Hill away from Patrick Mahomes, they're not. I they're this year. I would have called them a 15 win team. This year, I I I don't. I think without Tyreek Hill, they're like they they still win their division. Don't get me wrong, but I would say they would lose at least five or six games without Tyreek Hill. In my opinion, I think he is that heartbeat of that offense. You I know, know I know the- it's a hot take. And I know people would call me stupid and dumb for saying this. Uh, like Patrick Holmes is a great quarterback. I'm not taking anything away from him, but he is just that dynamic of a receiver where if you don't have him, you're in trouble. So this is a hot take actually. And I think that people will call me stupid for this. I, I agree with you about Tyreek Hill, because if you shut him down, Mahomes like really doesn't look for anybody else because they're well, because like if Kelsey's like in double coverage, like you got to find somebody else. I don't think you trust Hardman all that much. You, but can't, the thing you is, can't trust, you can't trust Hilaire that much either. In my no, opinion. Clyde Edwards Hilaire had two fumbles in two games. Like he, he's got, he has ball security issues right now, but no, I think that they miss Sammy Watkins. 
as inconsistent as he was in Kansas City, I think they miss him because he at like when he was on, he was on in Kansas City. I mean, yeah, when he was off, he was off. But the thing is, though, is like there was a different uh, another option at wide receiver. And yeah, like he hasn't, he hasn't, he's shown flashes right now in Baltimore, but that's like what happens with Watkins. Yeah. I but, don't think, I don't think you're, I don't think you're stupid for that take because I mean, Sammy Watkins was a first round pick for a reason. Yes. And he just had bad luck in Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, Sammy, I mean, any, any receiver that came to Buffalo in the time that he did had bad luck because we had no quarterback. I think Sammy Watkins when healthy is a great receiver and even on Kansas City, a great like that's one of the best. I would argue that he would be like one of the top five, number two receivers in the league. Potentially, I mean that if, that's bold. Could say if he could say healthy, but his issue was he's never healthy. He's now they're healthy, and when he and the problem is, is when he comes back, that's what happens. Like that's why he's so inconsistent because he's recovering from injuries and he has to adapt, get back into game shape, and then he actually has like two game two. He has two really good games, and then he's back 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 injured, or he just shuts down like like in a game or whatever, and it's just insane. But yeah, I definitely think they miss Sammy Watkins. Um, I think that the offensive line, like, I think the offensive line also has to, uh, get like, they have to adapt. I mean, they definitely downgraded from last year. They definitely, well, the problem, well, no, they let two of their, they let two of their best offensive linemen go in the off season. Well, they let Eric Fisher go because they weren't, they, they didn't know how long he would be out because he tore his Achilles in the AFC championship. And I forget, and I forget who else they lost to. But the thing is, though, is like Kansas City's offensive line, whoever, like through trades and like free agency, like when they had made those moves, like I think they also have to like actually like, you know, just start gelling together better than what they have currently. I mean, I understand like, yeah, training camp and the preseason and everything, but like in camp, it's different or in practice, it's different than in game. Like how many of those starting offensive linemen or any of those starting players actually like played in the preseason for Kansas city. I mean, I'm not good. I'm not entirely sure. Like did, did they not, did they play like one series a game and say hey we're not risking injury like sit out or whatever like the rest of the game did they play a quarter or a quarter and a half I have no idea because I didn't watch any I barely watch preseason football I'm gonna be completely honest with you but that offensive line really needs to like start gelling together better too for protection for Mahomes and also for the running game too which needs to improve a little bit as well because Edwards Alaire is not looking good right now. No, he definitely not was last. For, I mean, it is hard to be a running back in that offense because they are such a pass-heavy offense. But I still think he would have been more of a weapon in their pass game this year, and he just hasn't shown to be that. At no, he all. really hasn't. Like you said, his ball security issues is my main concern with him right now, especially not being biased because he's got my fantasy team or anything. But, I mean, come on. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's not looking good, honestly. I mean, I mean, I would I would never write off this team just because who they do have under center as their quarterback. Um, I especially in this division, their their biggest their biggest competitor in this division isn't even one of the top two teams in the division right now. To be completely honest, I think I think I, I October October is coming, folks, and trust me. These Las Vegas Raiders, 
are going to start losing games. No, nope, especially, nope, nope, nope. especially to their coaches and John Wrong. Gruden. We see this Wrong. every year. We see this every year. John Wrong. Gruden, John Gruden. Not does this year, this. baby. No, Not you, this year. Just win, baby. Let, Just win. Let me speak. Ah. <laughs> uh, John Gruden does the same thing every year. He's going to show us, like, okay, we're, the Raiders are back. Derek Carr is a good quarterback. And, oh, here comes John Gruden again. He's still the coach of the team. And guess what? They are going to finish last, if not second to last, in their division. I just don't trust the Broncos' offense. Broncos have a fantastic defense. I just don't trust the offense. That's my issue with them. The Broncos really haven't played anyone phenomenal yet. To let me see where they are going to line up come end of the season time. I mean, yeah, the Raiders have beat good teams. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah. Whereas the Broncos have beaten the count. Whereas the Broncos' three wins are they have a combined record of zero and nine. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they beat the they beat the Ravens who. At the beginning of the season, a lot of people you could have asked maybe have rolled off the Ravens because of all their injury issues on the defense. Um, but they beat the Ravens. They beat the Steelers, who I would say is an easy win. Granted, the Steelers beat the Bills, but I think the Steelers are done, especially with Big Ben as their quarterback. And then they beat – they just squeaked past the Dolphins, who I also think is a terrible team. Well, so, I, mean, the thing I would, is, I would so, really only put the Ravens win up there as a good win for them. Well, I mean, we get to see Sunday they play the Chargers. Monday night. Or, yes, right, this Monday night. I will not be able to watch Chargers. that game, sadly. That is sad. It's going to be a good game. But I really do think that I, – I don't think the Vegas the Raiders can keep on doing what they're doing. I just well, don't – I mean, I, yes, they have the weapons on offense. They have a solid defense. Don't get me wrong. But I just think – you think it comes down to coaching and what I, it comes down Gruden to coaching. And I, like up. I said, I do not trust John Gruden at all. Derek Carr, I think, is a solid quarterback. He's not great. He's like a game manager. Um, Josh Jacobs is questionable, which will definitely hurt this team because Josh Jacobs is a big part of that offense. And I think they have three star receivers, but I just don't think they can keep this going on for as long as they are. I really do think that they are going to finish the season right around 500. Well, my, yeah, honestly, I'm going to disagree with you there because uh, looking at the Raiders, like I'm not saying that they're probably Kansas City's biggest competitor. Like I do believe that that is the Los Angeles Chargers um, just based off the play of Justin Herbert. And, well, he went into Kansas City and he beat Patrick Mahomes. Um, but the thing is, though, is like we'll see what happens when the Raiders play the Chargers on Monday Night Football um, to cap off – to cap off uh, and cap off not – not to cap off to end week four. So we'll see what happens there, whether or not both teams will be three and one, or if the rate or, or if the Raiders will be four and oh, and the chargers will be two and two. Um, if the Raiders go to four and out, like, I mean, I still don't it, trust them. I still don't. Tr- yes. It's great to clearly. I'm not putting, saying they're going to win the division. I, I'm, I'm not, not saying, saying I'm not saying you are either, but I just do like clearly mean you have two very different opinions on this team. Well, the AFC looks completely like different compared to last season. Like, well, yeah, I mean, the AFC the... South was competitive. Well, uh, the Titans and Colts were competent last year, whereas this year, Indianapolis looks like a great A shit show. No, Tennessee, Indianapolis is a great A shit show. Tennessee really depends on if Derrick Henry wants to show up or not. And if he doesn't run, the, and if he doesn't have a good running game, then they're shit. And, the and AMC, Julio Jones and, and, and hold on, hold on. The, Julio Jones and AJ Brown, like they're looking like they're not even gonna be able to play this week. So who knows what will happen in that? Like they're gonna practically run Henry into the ground at that point. My hot take is still up, up, up for grabs on with the Texans making playoffs. 
But like you said, the AFC isn't as competitive as it was last year because, I mean, you have two good teams coming out of the North in Baltimore and Cleveland. Um, Cincinnati is... We'll go into the North in a little bit there, but yes. Yeah, they're good. And really the only competition you're going to find in the AFC East are the Bills. So if... You you might be right, though. If Vegas can... Gruden typically will split one-on-one with the Chiefs. So I really do think that I like I said I, I'm too, it's too early for me to to give my take on the Broncos because I'm still unsure of this team. I'm not convinced by the Broncos because they beat the Giants, the Jets, and the Jaguars, and exactly. all three I mean, teams are those are the three worst teams in the league right there. Exactly. And don't, it pains me to say that as a Giants fan. Don't get me wrong, like Broncos defense is great. Nick Fangio is a great defensive minded coach, and this defense Vic. is always good. Vic Fangio, what I say, Nick? Yeah, Nick, it's all good. Um, my bad. Um, oh, good. Yeah. Carry on. I was thinking of Nick Sirianni. Terrible uh, coach. Great coach for my fantasy team. We'll, but terrible we'll, we'll, coach get, for... we'll get into your terrible vision in a little bit. But uh, <laughs> I'm just not sold on this team yet. I think if they do keep winning games, it is based on their defense. Yeah, I agree there. I agree there. But I, like I said, you know, can like, yeah, the Raiders and Broncos, like, who knows what will happen with them as time goes on. I'm convinced that the Raiders are can make the playoffs. I'm really convinced that the Raiders can make the playoffs based on how the picture, the whole picture of the AFC looks, because I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go around here. Like Kansas city. I'm not writing them off. Nobody should write them off. And if you are writing the Kansas city chiefs off, especially if you live in an area that, you know, thinks you can take the AFC this year. And well, I, I, I would bite my tongue. I would bite my tongue on writing off the Kansas City Chiefs just yet. No, you'd be um, stupid. I mean, we have the, the Bills have a March schedule. I'm scared as shit to play them because the I, Bill, a lot of Bills fans on Twitter are like saying like the Kansas City Chiefs are done for, which is kind of well, annoying. Well, you know, you know fans there, the fans we always talk about, the fake ones. Yeah, they're fucking idiots. So, but we'll move on from that because I don't want to get too frustrated there. But yeah, okay, the Broncos I don't trust. The Chargers, like, they're good, but the thing is, though, is they're still the Chargers. Like, I feel like their defense will still find a way to bottle some games because they did lose. They don't have the key defense. They don't have not, key def- We're not talking about the Phillip Rivers Chargers anymore. And you, you want to say John Gruden is going to take the Raiders all the way? No shot. Not, take- not all the He's- way, but to playoffs? I don't think so. No, he'll take them to the playoffs. And no, then let me go, no, let, me go let me go around. Let me go around. Let me go around here. Let me go around. Let me go around. So you got the AFC South, which is a terrible division. It's almost as bad as the NFC East is right now. Indianapolis is a great A shit show, like you said. Carson Wentz is God, like he's injury prone. He's God awful and terrible. Tra- it's looking like a terrible trade for the Colts. Tennessee is going to run Derrick Henry into the ground. And if he, and that's if he decides to show up and like actually perform, um, if Julio Jones and AJ Brown can't stay healthy, they have no weapons to throw the ball to for Tannehill. The Texans, honestly, like, well, the Jaguars are the Jaguars, so we'll move on from there. But the Texans, like, are a complete like wild card because, like, they if they Depends actually if Tyler like, Taylor's back or not. If Tyler Taylor is back, like your hot take, like may not be a bad take. Like they could potentially win that division based on how everything's going. Um, let me go into the North. The AFC North, like you said, Baltimore and Cleveland, it's like they're those are the two main teams right there. Cincinnati, like they're surprised, like I'm surprised that they're two and one right now. But the combination of Burrow and Jamar Chase is looking like the days of LSU uh, when they won the national yeah, championship. They could be three and one after tomorrow because they got Jacksonville tomorrow, and Jacksonville's a great a shit show. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Jacksonville is a great A shit show, so they should go to three and one. I could be 
I could be wrong, though. I really could be wrong. Um, uh, but the thing is, though, is um, like anything can happen. I, anything could really happen. Um, then we'll go in, like going into Pittsburgh now. And then like I'm not going to go into it too. Actually, I do want to go into Pittsburgh a little bit. I wanted to talk about them. Um, but no, you're right. Like if you put Pittsburgh against Buffalo like tomorrow, well, you put them against Pittsburgh tomorrow, Buffalo and Pittsburgh on the field tomorrow afternoon. The Bills are squashing them by 40 because Pittsburgh's defense, like they're they're not the same with TJ without TJ Watt, and their offense is terrible. Big Ben is old, washed, injury prone, needs to retire. Juju Smith Schuster is a shadow of his former self, more worried about making TikToks, and so is Chase Claypool. And I like Chase Claypool because he's a Notre Dame product. He came from Notre Dame. Um, uh, so there's a little like college football bias right there. But the thing is, though, is they're like the Rolling Stones are going to have a better performance in Heinz Field on Monday than the Steelers have had at the past couple of weeks. So that- I, 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 me, I, I'm kind of, go, I'm going to drop back a little bit here on the Raiders just because they do get, they do get to play the NFC East this year, and I do think they can go four and zero against the NFC East. I'm going to say three and one. Who do they lose to? Dallas. Probably da- Dallas. Yeah. They're- probably going to lose to Dallas. No, yeah, yeah. So that, that is their saving grace to me this year because they do have one of the easier schedules coming in. So say they beat the chargers Monday night, they go to four and oh, right. Yeah. Then they go, they get to see the Chicago bears. Yeah. They're playing and the then, Chicago bears. Exactly, and then, and then they, later, later in their schedule, they get to see the Colts. <laughs> you really, are you really? So wait, are you writing the Raiders off when you look at their schedule ahead? And you just mentioned that they play the NFC East too. I mean, the Colts are no, great because I said, I'm taking it back because I knew they played the NFC East, but I didn't realize that they only, they had to play just the Bears and the fucking Colts. Colts? Yeah. And then you just said that the Raiders also could go one and one against the Chiefs, like they yeah, always yeah. find I a mean, way to. Gruden always finds a way to beat them once. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take it back here. I do think that the Raiders are going to win more than I think, but I'm not going as far as saying they're making playoffs. Okay. Okay. I'll, I, I'll, I guess I guess I would have to say they're making plays because they're going to have a lot of wins if I think they're. We'll take we'll take through. it on a week by week basis. We'll take we'll we'll have a right. we'll have a segment uh, we'll have a segment dedicated to the Raiders. <laughs> Everybody else talks about the Dallas Cowboys. This podcast this is a Raiders. You're a, Ra- a Raiders Ra- podcast. Raiders stand com- podcast. <laughs> Hey, 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 I'm a Raider. This is a Raider stand account right now. Um, uh, the Twitter account is also a Raider stand account, much to the dislike of uh, some Cowboys Twitter bot account. Um, uh, but yeah, no. And then the AFC East, like you said, like the Bills, like that's their division to lose. I don't see anybody else from the AFC East making the playoffs. I really don't. Miami, like two was a two was an injury prone bust. I mean, Jacoby considering, was... I considering the Josh Allen gets to face. Possibly three of the worst, like top. I would say we have two out of the top five worst QBs in the league in our division, and then three in the top ten worst QBs in our division. Yeah, I, I mean, we, like, we, you have we, two rookie yeah. quarterbacks and Mac Jones and Zach Wilson, and then two Zach Wilson two just sucks. Well, he's also injury he's also prone. Injury too. prone, yeah. So you're more like you. You already you injured Tua. Like you knocked him out. So like, I, to be honest, I'm more worried about Brissett than I am Tua. And that, oh, not, not, mean, that I, not that I'm worried about it, but I think Jacoby Brissett looks more competent within that offense than Tua does. Jacoby Brissett is a very competent quarterback, and honestly, I think New England probably should have kept him. And that's my hot take there on that. But I don't want to go in too much about the Patriots because I don't. They should have kept Garoppolo. Well. 
the guy that's coming back to New England on Sunday night didn't want Garoppolo there, so they had to get rid of him. That uh, that's very true. Set, Sunday is going to be an absolute murder of the Patriots in Tom Brady's homecoming. Oh, oh, Tom Brady's homecoming. It's going to be a murder. Um, uh, obviously, the we all know that the Rams like handed the Bucks their ass last Sunday. The score says otherwise, but like the Rams dominated from start to finish, in my opinion. Um, and obviously, like you know, they show like they showed a picture of Brady just like angry on the sidelines, and I'm like, oh boy, pray for his next opponent. And I looked at the schedule, and I'm like, oh, it's the homecoming. <laughs> So yeah, it's not going to be pretty for Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick might just want to start digging his grave now. Pretty much, I think he might. He may resign on Monday morning. He may resign on Monday morning. He'd be like, "May eh, I'm wrong. I quit." As no, he can't. He's. Got, I got to play him two more times. I got to kick his ass two more times to be happy as a Bills fan. He has ruined my life for too long. He needs to stay this season out, and we are going to murder him both times. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go too much into the homecoming though, because I'll let the SP. And Fox go into it as much as they already have. They're all, yeah, they're all going to suck it off. They're all sucking it off. But I do want to go into the NFC now and do a run around. Um, you just want to get my crappy division out of the way and actually go before we go into other divisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let me just speed run it real fast. Cowboys are going to win the division. Everyone else sucks. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> that's pretty, that's hey, pretty hey, much hey. all the divisions. I mean, Jalen Hurts looked absolutely god awful Sunday. Um, Washington's defense. The Bills had did they just showed that Washington's front four isn't as good as everyone thought it was going to be. Um, the New York Giants, Giants the, the Giants are going to giant because I mean, what the fuck? I mean, uh, the Buffalo Bills are two and one, and the only team in New York that have that are two and one because there's no other teams in New York. The two they're teams, not even the, the best the team in New teams, York. What are you talking the about? The two teams from the two teams from New Jersey don't have a win yet. Bills aren't even the best team in New York. What are you talking about? Don't, don't, don't even give me – let's not get started on the Sabres because I'm, I'm, my heart might explode if I had to talk about them. No, no, no. I'm talking about the Don't Yankees. talk about the <laughs> – Fuck off. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, bitch. Shut up, bitch. I don't want to – you know how I feel about – you know how I feel about my baseball this season. I've given up. Given up hope. <laughs> You've given up hope. <laughs> well, I, do, I do have a comment on the match. We do start talking about baseball. Well, we talk baseball. Well, we'll continue on. So, yes, the Eagles, like – um, the Cowboys should win the division. So that's a given there. The Giants are asked. Washington is very inconsistent. Uh, and the Eagles, like Jalen Hurts shows promise, but Nick Sirianni is a terrible head coach. I did win my fantasy point, my fantasy matchup, though, because of the Eagles, uh, because they just got destroyed by Dallas. They decided to take my opponent had Miles Sanders and Devonta Smith. And I'm like, okay, like I'm probably going to lose. I ended up winning by 0.6 because the Eagles ended up taking out both Sanders and Smith because they were getting murdered by the Cowboys. So for the last like 10 minutes of the game, I'm just like sitting here and I'm like, oh, there's no Devonta Smith. Like they're going to bring him in eventually. There's no Miles Sanders. They're going to bring him in eventually. And I'm just like, wait a second. Two minute warning comes. I'm like, all right, that's a victory for me. Do we want to talk about Jalen Hurts post game press conference? Um, I did not see it. Oh, oh, you, oh, you're talking about like, oh, I know what you're talking about. I didn't see it, but I know what yeah, you're talking said, about. He I said, if, said you, like, if you take a deuce, you don't look down at it. You just flush it. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to flush this game down the drain and forget about it. Yeah, they're going to be doing a lot of that this season. And I'm okay with that because I well, can't the, stand the fucking game, Eagles. Only, only games that they're going to win, I'm sorry that I'm saying this, 
They'll go two and two and zero against the Giants. They probably will go two and zero against the Giants. They'll probably uh, they'll probably beat Washington once too. Hey, That's about the, it. So the Las Vegas Raiders are up for cheering for you. So that can be your team for the season. Hey, hey, the Las Vegas Raiders. This podcast is a Raiders stand account at this point until they some until they eventually until they shit the bed. Unfortunately, but I don't think they will, and I'm sticking by that. But we'll go into the north now. Um, Matt Nagy is an incompetent head coach, and he is setting Justin Fields up for failure and is deliberately wanting him to fail. Yeah, I he looked. That offense looked like it was being run. Like it looked like they game plan that they still thought, even though they knew Andy Dalton wasn't going to play. Matt Nagy made that offense look like Andy Dalton was going to be the quarterback because they did nothing to help Justin Fields out. Don't get me wrong; it doesn't take away from the fact that Justin Fields did have a shitty game, but they didn't even try to move the pocket at all. You have a mobile quarterback, and you're making him stand there, get sacked nine times. Miles Garrett actually made him his son. For, Pretty much four and a half sacks. After a while, it got uncomfortable. It was like watching like a high school, like a an NFL team try to play a high school team for the most part. It was it was terrible to watch. I felt bad for like. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he played good by any means, but they just had the worst game plan for that team. Even the even the Browns came out and basically said they they uh, game plan for them to do a different offense around Justin Fields, and they didn't. Yeah, no, it was terrible to watch. I feel bad for Justin Fields. The Bears are an incompetent organization, and Matt Nagy should have been fired. I but... think Matt Nagy just wanted to look right because he clearly – I don't think he's a fan of Justin Fields because he didn't start no, him. No, he's not. He, he didn't he start won... him in the beginning of the season for a reason. Nope. And he didn't now, want him. Exactly, and now he comes out and makes it look like Justin Fields is a bad quarterback when it was just bad coaching. Exactly. It was but terrible I'm convinced coaching. that he was, I just wanted to, I'm convinced he was trying to be like, look, people, I was right. He's not a good quarterback. That's what I thought. That's what, to me, it seemed like what happened. That is definitely what happened there. And I feel bad for Bears fans. Uh, I also feel bad. I feel bad for Bears fans. I feel bad for Justin Fields. Um, I feel bad for Lions fans. We'll go into that right now. Um, actually, the Bears and Lions play each other on week four. How come they, I think NBC should do an early flex and take away Tom Brady's return to New England because that's going to be a murder and instead put a comedy shit show on in the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions? Uh, I, I don't think the Lions are bad. No, they're not bad. They're very I, unlucky. I so, yeah, they're very unlucky. Um, clearly on that 66-yard field goal by Justin Tucker, if you watch it over, there is a blatant false start on the offense before the kick was snapped. There's also a blatant delay of game before the field goal, too, on the play before, and nobody wants to talk about that. Yeah, exactly. Like, the-, the Lions always stay getting screwed by the refs, no matter – if they're good, bad, winning, losing, it doesn't matter. Nothing ever goes the Lions' way. The league hates the Lions. That's why the Lions literally have to play two oppositions like every Sunday. Every th- if they're on Thursday or Sunday or Monday, they have to play the opposing team and they have to play against the refs too. I don't know why. I will never f- understand why. But yeah, no, the Lions are not. Ter- they they look terrible week two. I I will, and they didn't look terrible week one. I mean, like they started out terrible, but they they came back like they and actually made it competitive against the Niners. They looked terrible against the Packers, but they always do against Aaron Rodgers. And week three was just very unlucky because they were able to contain Baltimore's offense up so, until that. Fu- so fun fact, actually, about the Lions, 
this season, if we're just talking about the first half of games, I know this means nothing, but they're three and zero in the first half of games. <laughs> they're three and zero in the first half of games. They're three and zero in the first half. Because I, so I, I, I think I like Dan Campbell as a head coach there. MCDC, do, Motor City, Dan Campbell. I, I do think the Lions are going in the right direction. They just need to figure out spots here and there that can help them out. Like you, like we said, they're getting screwed by the rest, which doesn't help. But I do. If I'm a Lions fan, I'm looking at this season so far. Clearly, we know we're not going to win. Why don't we go win? Like win, win two, three games, make the city happy, and get a high draft pick. And then, because this team is, it's on, especially under Jared Goff. It's on the verge of being good. Yeah, Jared Goff. Jared Goff is not a terrible quarterback. Um, he had his ups and downs in Los Angeles with the Rams. His relationship with McVay was ended up being a terrible one towards the end, which is why he got traded. Um, and but the thing is, though, is they actually like I couldn't tell you who their best receiver is, honestly. TJ Hawkinson is their top pass catcher and is probably like pro- let's, their let's, most let's known play receiver. A game. <laughs> name one Detroit Lions wide receiver. I, I only I only know one because his name is fun to say. What is it? Quintez Cephas. Oh, I was going to say Cephas. I was going to say Cephas. I know Cephas because I that's I I know Cephas from Monday night. I knew that. Other that's than the that, only receiver nothing. I know because of his name. I couldn't name any other receiver on that team. Nope, I couldn't name anybody either, honestly. I know that they released Jamie Collins uh, t- yesterday, today, something like that, because um, they were trying to trade him because he wanted out. Um, but other than that, I have no idea. I do feel bad for Lions fans, though. But one, the surprise to me in the in the NFC North, Minnesota, the Minnesota Vikings are they do not look terrible. Kirk Cousins, like okay, good. I was, okay, I was I I agree with you, but keep going. Kirk Cousins looks like a competent quarterback. I mean, their defense is terrible. I mean. Like, their defense was terrible against the Cardinals in week two, but they beat the Seahawks, and, like, we'll get into the Seahawks and the West in a little bit. The Seahawks aren't a good team. No, the Seahawks are not a good team. But they they, they had, like you said, the first two weeks they had competitive games. I mean, they lost by a total margin of four points in their first two games. Yeah, and they beat the Seahawks. Like, the Vikings, like, it's down to their defense. Like, Kirk Cousins and the offense is doing a – doing what it needs to do. I mean, yeah, Delvin Cook is like an injury-prone running back, but his backup, like his, his running back does the job. The backup yeah. does the job. He's got Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. Like Kirk Cousins, like – Kirk Cousins is terrible. one of the best fantasy quarterbacks you could have, to be honest. Yeah. Because the, they, this team always – like it seems like they always need to be throwing – the ball for some reason, whatever it is, they always seem to be throwing the ball. Whether when they have a good running back tandem, exactly. Speaking of the running back tandem, though, um, Madison didn't look bad at all this past week. No, he didn't. And the thing is, though, is like you know that's a good thing. Like it's a good he's a good option to have fantasy wise because like you don't know how like if Dalvin Cook gets injured, like he's gonna be out for like four weeks. Like uh, he didn't like who knows how long he could potentially be out because of this latest injury. But the thing is though is like Dalvin Cook is a running back that'll never be a hundred percent in my opinion. And that's not a hot take there. That's just like common sense in my opinion. But um uh I think that I, I think that Minnesota like actually like they're not going to be terrible. Like, I think the Vikings could potentially be a seven to eight win team if they actually like figure it out on the defensive side of the ball. I I agree with you. There. I mean, I 
uh, they're not a playoff team by any means, but no. they are a seven to eight win team, like you said. That like I agree with everything you really just said. I think if Dalvin Cook could stay healthy, this team could compete for a wild card spot. Like not this year, I'm going to say, but maybe if, a year if, or two down the road. Yeah, if Dalvin Cook could stay healthy, I would say they're a wild card team because I mean. This is the Packers division, unfortunately, until Aaron Rodgers retires or moves on from the Packers. That it might be at the it might be at the end of this year because I don't think Jordan Love is the answer for the Packers once Aaron Rodgers leaves by any means. I think but I mean until he leaves the division, you're not gonna get a better team. But I do think Minnesota like is promising. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. I really do think like in a year or two down the road, like Minnesota will get back to like 2017 Minnesota when they made the NFC championship and probably should have made the Super Bowl in their home stadium. But that's another conversation for another day there. But um, uh, no, uh, going on to the Packers, R-E-L-A-X, relax. Week one was just a blip. The Packers were just more, the Packers like were pretty much getting trounced on after week one. Week two, they do what they do to the Lions. Week three, great back and forth game against the Niners. And guess what? 37 seconds and zero timeouts is still too much for that bad man. You need to give Aaron Rodgers 19 seconds with no timeouts not to be able to beat you. Anything over 19 seconds, I think Aaron Rodgers beats you. Um, Especially especially with – how do you not cover Devontae Adams? I just don't get – at the end of the game, you know who Aaron Rodgers is going to. Just fucking put everyone on him. He's going to look much. for. He's still going to look for Devontae Adams. Honestly, fucking like throw, you, throw, ru- you rush half line. of them. At, you rush half of them at Rodgers, and then you have the other half of the defense defensive side of the ball for the Niners covering Adams. That's exactly. it. And then Aaron Rodgers is still going to force them onto Devontae Adams. Just, just make sure Devontae Adams is covered. Like the thing is, though, is like the, the Niners like... could actually fuck that whole part up. You know who he's going to? I was sitting in my house. I'm like, I know who's going to. Here's what's gonna happen. Boom! It happens. I saw like, Drew score the touchdown because I was I was going back and forth between the Yankees and Red Sox game, Yankees Red Sox game, and then um, I was going back between the Niners and Packers. And Juice Check scored the touchdown for the Niners. I'm I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, 37 seconds. That's way too much time. And I thought, to, and I'm sitting alone by myself, so obviously, like nobody's gonna fucking corroborate that. But that's I thought like, that's myself, like the best. Like, that's like the best commentators line right there. Is like, there's too much time, too much time yeah. on the clock, too much time <laughs> on the clock. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, yeah, he's gonna win. Like it's you just know it with certain quarterbacks. Like Aaron Rodgers, too much time. Patrick Mahomes, too much time. Tom Brady, too much time. Josh so, Allen, like, too much time. <laughs> <laughs> have the bill the bills haven't been in a, a situation with him like that lately yeah lately. I, I mean last year against arizona is the closest thing i could say kyler murray too much time kyler murray no that's just a lucky fucking catch don't don't i will get riled up you know i'm gonna get riled up over that catch. i'm not good okay i'll stop there but don't, i do want to go do to not, the do not get me going yeah i, I want to get i want to get to them as well um i'm gonna kind of i'm gonna just kind of sit down on them this week just because of the, how they looked against the first half against the Jaguars. Hey, they're still my Super Bowl. They're still my wild card get, Super Bowl. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I do think Arizona will be in the playoffs at the end of the season. Don't get me – actually, to be honest, I that that's probably the toughest division in football right now. That is the toughest division in football. The Seahawks look dog shit, though, so I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay with and that. I, I mean, the 49ers – Played a great game Monday night against the Packers, which really could have been – it was just one of those games was, like, again. Yeah, exactly. 
Whoever has they're, the ball last is going to win the game, and it happened to be Aaron Rodgers got the ball last. Yep, um, they're a good team. Arizona, the good team. Arizona just kind of really like they kind of sat me down this week a little bit, which is how they looked against the first half against the Jaguars. Really scary. I, I mean, they came out and got the job done, which kind of everyone expected. But yeah, I mean, but you just I, expect them to blow out a yeah, you, team yeah, like you expect that. Them to blow it out. You don't. You don't expect, expect make, Jacksonville I mean, to be up at the half. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean. Kyler Murray still threw for 316, and he played a good game. But, I mean, I, I was really shocked how – I thought that game was going to be a lot just more of a blowout than it was. Hey, it's exactly like my it's, – it's like how it is with the Raiders. Just find ways to win. The Cardinals found a way to win. They're they're three and zero. Right? Don't they, they, they don't they don't ask they don't ask how they ask how many at the end of the season. Exactly. So, I mean, a win's a win. Like especially with it only being because NFL is so different than other sports. It's only a seventeen game season, so every game really fucking matters. It's not like you're going playing hockey, losing one game. It's not like your baseball, one game, basketball, losing one game. No, like all the wins matter here. So if you can stack them up, fucking do it. I don't care how you do it, just do it. Give yourself a give yourself a chance, and at the end of the season, like especially say they go on like a three game losing streak at the end of the season. Guess what? You won three in a row in the beginning. It's gonna make right up for it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean the the NFC West, like the Rams, like right now look like the favorites to come out of the NFC, uh, just based on how they are a complete team. Like their offense is clicking on all cylinders. Matthew Stafford, great addition. It's proving to work well for them. Cooper Cup has been balling out. Um, but the thing is, though, is Cooper Cup has always been a great receiver regardless. So I expect that from him, even though the quarterback change happened. And then, like, yeah, and then on the defensive side of the ball, like their defense is still one of the top defenses in the league, and Aaron Donald is still eating up quarterbacks. So I'm not too worried about the Rams. The only thing is, though, is I feel bad for them because, let's be honest, outside of the state of California, like, are there many Rams fans out there? Go talk to the people in St. Louis and find out. Uh, no, the people in St. Louis will kill me if I mention the Rams. So I'm not planning on doing that anytime soon. Um, but no, like you're, you're right. I would say, I I mean, the only reason is because they're in L.A. So they clearly now they're getting all the super, all the big name celebrities to their games. I mean, you saw them when they played the Bucks on Sunday. They were flashing over all the celebrities that were at the game and stuff. Yeah, I know. But really outside of L.A., there's no one that's really a, a genuine Rams fan unless they it, grew up for some reason grew up either being a St. Louis fan or even back when they were in a LA LA. Like that's yeah, the only exactly. way you're going to find it. But I mean, then you could just, they could just be the fan of their LA Rams now, but still like, that's the only way you're going to find the Rams fan. But I mean, Pretty I, much. the Rams, I think are a real, especially with Matt Stafford under center. They're a fucking team. I would be scared to play. Like last year was a complete different story when the bills played them. Like this year, it looks like a whole new team. I think Matt Stafford, like I said this when he was in Detroit, Matt Stafford it could I, – I think he's an elite quarterback. Matt Stafford is a very damn good quarterback. He just happened to play on the Detroit Lions. Yeah, exa- exactly. Our complete shit show of an organization. I think he is an elite quarterback, and it, it, he just kind of got – I mean, if you look back at his stats, I think I said this last year on our podcast, if you look back at his stats – when oh, yeah, we were talking about the trade here. And I'm like, if you look at his stats, he's a great quarterback. He was just hidden because he's in Detroit. Now he's exactly. in the super. Now he's in the city. He's going to shine in, and he just has played unreal so far. I mean, he's thrown for 300 two out of three games. Was just under three. I get 300 
isn't that much anymore. But I mean, his completion percentage is damn good. He's sitting at around 72% completion percentage. Exactly. And in the past happy league, like that's a damn good completion percentage there. But um, I mean, and he's looking like an MVP contender too, uh, as well. Like, you know, like Kyler Murray, in my opinion, still kind of is an MVP contender to start off early. Um, And then also another, like, you know, MVP contender, like, you know, even though he had a terrible week one, Aaron Rodgers is looking like another MVP contender. Some, uh, and then, you know, going into the South and, uh, now just to wrap up, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, even though Tom Brady like lost last week, he's still looking like an MVP contender because he threw for over 400 yards and had a, and had a couple touchdowns too. Um, but the thing is though, is like to go into the South, like <laughs> looking at the division, seeing the pan, seeing that the bucks are not atop the division and the Panthers are like, it's kind of weird because like, you don't expect, you didn't expect like that. You expected like the bucks to run away with it, which I mean, like Carolina, you know, like, Carolina doesn't have a good win yet. No, they're like the Broncos. They really don't. They, they beat the Jets, the Texans and the Saints and the Saints are not the Saints from last year. The Saints under Jameis Winston is not very good. I mean, I think Jameis Winston has thrown through three games. I think he's under 400 passing yards for the season, but he looks like he's going to put up a. He has he has seven touchdowns on the season, um, and only 387 yards. Yeah, uh, he's looking at to put unreal numbers. He could finish the season with right around 30 to 40 touchdowns. And maybe notch a thousand yards. That would be yeah, an unreal. See, that's a that's a Jameis Winston type sat though. But all jokes aside, the Saints are not the Saints of last year by any means. I no. do not think they are a real threat to anyone. To be honest, I think they're gonna the Saints are going to get garbage wins when they can. But I am not. I just don't think they have what it takes to withstand a full seventeen game season and keep winning especially with still having to see the Bucks twice. I do think the Panthers could really go one-on-one against them. The Falcons are another joke of a team, though. So I mean, Yeah, I don't want to talk about the Falcons. The Falcons Falcons are an absolute joke. They have a win, unlike some teams. Like I said, don't ask how they ask how many, but uh, who'd they beat? Oh, never mind. I'm not going to ask you that. I remember who they beat. Yeah, you know who they beat. I, I know. I remember who they beat. Now that's why I said never mind. I remember. Yep, who never they beat. mind. It's all good. It's all good. I know my team's ass. It's okay. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I Yankee, didn't want to bring Yankees that up. are the best team in New York. Yankees are the best team in New York. Just remember that. It's okay. It's Actually, all good. the Buffalo Bisons are because they won their division. You dick. <laughs> Sabers are a one and zero. Bills have one loss, but we'll talk. About that Sabers are one and zero. We'll talk about that next week. But um, the, Sab- uh, the Sabers go marching on. Is that what I'm hearing this year? We'll talk next week about are, that. We'll are are, that are these guys scary? Are these guys scary good? What one is it? <laughs> they're scary good. Oh god, they're scary good. Let me tell you. Oh god, but yeah, no. Um, uh, Panthers. Like, hey, I'm just happy that Sam Darnold has found himself in Carolina. And Adam is Gase anyone is... really surprised though? No, I mean, I, if I you mean, are, 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 are people who are football fans surprised? Uh, you have to be an idiot to be surprised. You have I to like Jets not. Fan, Jets football. fans might be surprised. Jets fans are only no. I don't think Jets fans are surprised. No, that's oh, sorry. That's what I meant to say. Jets fans are surprised, but yeah, Jets the, fans are just lunatics. Jets fans are just pissed off. That's like, hey, why the fuck didn't this happen for us? And it's like, you guys suck as an organization too. You're terrible. I do think though, Carolina will be three and one after this week. 
I yeah, mean, they, they played the Cowboys, so I think they will be three and one, just because I think the Cowboys. I, I I've always loved the Cowboys offense. Don't get me wrong; it's just their defense hasn't been good. And their defense has been their pretty defense, good. Their defense season, isn't though. bad this year. Like they just need that deep. So with a good offense like that, they just need their defense to be competent, which they haven't been in years past. And now this year they're competent. So I think that they're going to have. I I think Dallas finishes over five hundred. Dallas will definitely have be a ten to eleven win team. Uh, Carolina probably not. Who knows though? We'll see. What I don't happens. think I don't. I don't think Carolina can withstand what they're doing. I mean, like I said, they don't really have any real wins yet. Uh, their first test kind of comes this week. It's not then, how. It's how many. Yeah, it's not how how many. But I just don't think. The problem is I don't think they're going to get that many hows. That's yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Um. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, like, I don't really have any other comments like about football. Like, I mean, like, we practically just like did we a touched whole on the, rap- we touched on yeah. We touched on the most important stuff. We touched on the whole league. Yeah. We touched on every team in the league at some point, whether it was ten seconds or five minutes. Um, so we, I do actually, want... we actually talk about the AFC East is real fast. The Bills are going to win the AFC no, East. Everybody uh, else is dog the, shit. Who's the worst quarterback in the AFC East? Worst? Yeah, Zach Wilson. He's terrible. I would fucking say Tua. I would shit. say Tua. Well, I was talking healthy quarterbacks. All right. Well, if to say say Tua is healthy. Would you still say Zach Wilson? I would still say Zach Wilson only because he plays for the New York Jets. The Jets are a terrible. Well, Tua actually like looks competent down in Miami. Zach Wilson does not look competent. There is a TikTok. Uh, there's a couple of TikToks out there. I saw like not on TikTok, but like I saw like on Twitter or whatever that was spread around. And this kid is breaking down like how terrible the Jets are as an offense. And oh, like, I saw, I saw that, I saw that. Yeah, so like Zach Wilson is just looking like a fucking idiot out there, and the offense like looks terrible. Whereas in Miami, like I think Tua, like if he can actually like figure out how to play football, he'll be fine, and also just not be a bitch. But that's aside. That's another conversation for another day. There, but Zach Wilson, no, no shot. Fucking asshole came from BYU, overhyped school, overrated school in fucking Utah. No, he's terrible. His Moving on. Hot. His mom's hot. Mom's hot. All that okay. matters. All that matters. Okay. Zach moving on. Zach Wilson's mom is hot. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> moving on to baseball. So we're getting into the postseason push, and practically everything is all wrapped up for the most part, except for the AL wild card and the NL West. Those are the two major storylines right there. Um, so the AL wild card is a complete shit show right now, and I mean in a good way. You have the Yankees, Red Sox. Blue Jays and Mariners, who are all within two, two to anywhere from three, within like two, three games of each other. The Yankees are up on the Red Sox by two games as of yesterday. Currently, though, as we're recording the podcast, like baseball games are going on. The Yankees are losing and the Red Sox are winning. The Mariners are, are due to play the A's later tonight while we will be sleeping. Um, so we could wake up in the morning and the Mariners could still find themselves either a half game back of Boston, or they could be a game and a half back of Boston if they lose to the A's. Um, but the wild card race in the American league is going to go down to the wire. The Yankees won seven straight games and overtook the Red Sox for the top spots for the wild card. 
after sweeping the Texas Rangers last week and sweeping the Red Sox over um, uh, as well in Fenway. They took the first game of a three-game set against Toronto. Like I said, currently losing right now. The Red Sox lost to the Orioles last night. They're currently beating Baltimore five nothing. Um, that game, this game, obviously, like the results will obviously be finalized after we record the podcast. But to much of my surprise, and honestly, I don't know why it's too much of my surprise at this point. But the Mariners actually like they look good. Like I'm actually like you know not I'm 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 shocked, but at the same time not shocked that the Mariners are still in a playoff hunt. But. I mean, you know, the like I actually like went to a game back in July with a friend of mine. We saw the Blue Jays in Buffalo and they played the Mariners and the Mariners beat the Blue Jays. And at that time, I didn't realize they were third in the West. I thought they were like maybe fourth or fifth or whatever, you know, sitting at the bottom of the barrel in that division. But that's when I found that's when I found out I'm like, damn, this Mariners team isn't that terrible. So like I low key had been following the AL West a little bit, mainly just to like see like how the Mariners were doing, you know, as time progressed, I'm like, this team actually doesn't look terrible. Like their offense, like is getting the job done. They're pitching it. They're, they're, they're winning games. They're just winning games, finding ways to win They're Houston has not clinched the AL West yet. Their magic number is one. So if they win tonight, they'll clinch the division. And that means Seattle's best chance of making the postseason will be via the wild card. But it's interesting to see how things go there. Um, the Yankees, like I said, that you know, you know me. This is a my soapbox spot is pretty much a Yankees stand at this point. Um, but it's, I just hope they don't bottle it. Um, the Red Sox, like they're the Yankees and Red Sox seasons. Like if you are a fan of either team, you have to be annoyed at this point practically because like the Yankees probably should not be in this position based on who they have talent wise. And the Red Sox as a Red Sox fan, let's be honest. Like if you told me at the beginning of the season, like you, like if you tell me that you thought beginning of the season, you thought your team would be in this spot, you're lying through your motherfucking teeth. Okay, because everybody thought the Red Sox was gonna, were going to be terrible based on who they lost, who they had, and every, and whatnot. Um, the Mariners, everybody's surprised that Toronto, nobody's really surprised that because like of how well they're like they're starting pitching. Like they have Robbie, like Robbie Ray, you know, great starting pitcher, going to be a Cy Young candidate, potentially could get the AL Cy Young. Um, and then you have like the, and then you have like obviously MVP candidates, Vlad Guerrero Jr., you have Bobachet, you have George Springer, Marcus Simeon, who just hit uh, 44 home, his 44th home run of the season, most by a second baseman in a single season in MLB history, by the way. Um, but then their bullpen is just fucking atrocious. So, like, that's the inconsistency there. But I do want to shift my attention to the NL now. Um, and, well, the NL wildcard is practically set. It's going to be whoever finishes in second in the NL West, and they're going to be taking on the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals may never lose a game again. They they have won 17 straight games up until this podcast has been recorded. I don't know like what's going on in the Cardinals. Hey, can, can you actually do me a favor? Uh, look up and see what happened in the Cardinals game. Are they playing right now? Are, are they winning? No, I'll look it up right now for you. Okay. Um, the St. Louis Cardinals are losing 4 nothing at the moment to the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, 
Brewers, English, and uh, it is the bottom of the seventh. Bottom of the seventh. So they may actually lose tonight. But they had 17 wins, and they clinched the playoff spot last night. They they had a, they had less than they had less than three percent chance of making the playoffs like before they started the 17 game win streak. And they end and they clinched the playoff spot last night. They overtook the likes of Cincinnati, who were in contention for about 30 seconds, and the <laughs> Padres who and the Padres who underperformed and probably are the biggest disappointment. I would say are they the biggest joke in the MLB this year, considering the, everyone had. Uh, it, it doesn't help that they've had injuries. like fucked his elbow up. Yeah, it doesn't help they've had injuries. But I mean, are they the biggest joke in the MLB? Well, when you look on paper, like the Padres, like should be one of the top teams in baseball. But the thing is, though, is they underperformed like completely. And what really annoyed me is that, like, about that whole situation is, like, you know, I had picked the Padres to actually make the World Series. So I look like a fucking idiot um, based on that. But it's okay. I mean, I'm fine with it. But, like, I mean, they just completely collapsed. Like, they... They were they've been inconsistent all season, if you ask me. But they just like collapsed towards the end. Like I find it hilarious that like over the past month, their 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 pitching ERA has been over five, and that's a combined with the starters and with the bullpen. And I find that hilarious in a way because they fired their pitching coach around that time, and their pitching somehow got worse. So like they fired Larry Rothschild, their pitching coach. And like their ERA was like around three, three and a half, like maybe even four. But their ERA increased after they fired him. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? Do they just not trust their manager? Do they just not like want to play for him? Like, what is going on out there? Um, because when you look at the team, like you have you have Blake Snell, you have you Darvish, you have Fernando Tatis Jr., you have Manny Machado, Eric Hosmer, Jake Cronenworth. Like, it's just like insane to like actually like see like how terrible they performed compared to the expectations given so it, it is really a disappointment there but at the same time I'm not a I'm not a Padres fan, Padres fan I'm not a member of the Friar Faithful so I don't really care um you know but hey I mean good for the Cardinals and also good for whoever clinches the end. Good for the Giants. Like, look at the Giants. Like, nobody expected them to have over 100 wins. Nobody expected them to clinch a playoff spot. Nobody expected them to be the best team in baseball right now. And nobody expected them to potentially clinch the NL West over the Dodgers. Like, you're going to have the Do- like the Dodgers or Giants. Whoever clinches that division is going to be have over 100 wins. And they're going to end up having to face the Cardinals in a wild card game. I granted it's at home, but like, you don't get home field. You have home. You have over a hundred wins, and you're not going to have home field like after the division series if you win that game. If the Giants continue to progress, obviously. Yeah, if they continue to progress, but I mean, yeah, I mean they're the two hottest teams in baseball right now. I mean, the only teams that are probably going to finish, uh, granted, what the Rays do to finish out the season, um they're going to be the only teams that finish with over hundred wins and coming from the same division. That is an insane stat. Oh, I, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It really is. Honestly. I mean, like I said, though, nobody really expected the giants. Like you look at all the preseason polls and everything and everybody like, you know, postseason percentage and everything. Everybody was like the Dodgers and the Padres, the Dodgers and the Padres, the giants were at the bottom. And it's like, well, here we are. Whoever Pre-se- makes it, whoever makes it out of the NL East, though, is going to get absolutely shit stomped in the playoffs because the NL East might be the biggest joke of 
<laughs> it might be the biggest joke in baseball, to be completely honest. Oh, the Braves, like the Braves, like they put their, they got their shit together. I'm not going to completely like write the Braves off, in my opinion. I mean, they may make it out of the divisional series, like if, well, out of the divisional series, like that's about it. If they get to the divisional series, I think they um uh, would play the wild. Uh, no. Well, yeah, they would do the divisional series. So, like, they would get out of the divisional series. But uh, that's about it there. So, like, I don't think they'll shit the bed. Um, But, yeah, no, I mean, the rest of the NL East, I mean, like, Philly, like, under underachieved in my opinion. I'm not going to go into it too much no, with you, can, buddy. You, you can go into, you can get into the match. Just let me have it because they deserve it. I mean. Well, your you, owner's every, a fucking idiot. Yeah. Your, man, your, your upper management fucking sucks. Lindor underperformed. Uh, DeGrom needs to get the fuck out of there as fast as he can. And why the hell did Syndergaard actually make a start when the season is lost? Or because, of, because, because of the first three reasons you just said? Our owners are idiots? <laughs> why the hell? Your owner is more worried about going on Twitter and complaining about the Mets did you, offense. Did you see what they said they're going to do? No, I didn't. They're going to make this like a 24-7 baseball team. They're about having comedy shows and stuff. Talk about all this and that, making it more of a fan experience. Don't fucking worry about the fan experience right now. If you can't find a way to fucking win baseball games, considering like a hockey team down the road, considering most people, I would say most competent people with looking at on paper, you would have just said, oh yeah, the Mets are going to win the the Mets are going to win the NL East at the beginning of the season. And now we're an under 500 team because we're an absolute joke. Granted injuries don't help, but fucking from top down, this organization is a joke. I would say even the fucking the fucking uniform guy even has to be fired. The guy that fucking washes the laundry needs to be fired. Every this is just needs a clean the kit house. Man. Yeah, the kit man needs to be fired. Like this is just I mean, I just don't get how we can have such bad of a season considering our hopes were so high. It's an absolute fucking joke. Well, I, mean, I mean, the low point of your season, honestly, like, well, there were many low points in the Mets season, honestly, and in on and off the field. Yeah, but, but no. What I, what I find Twitter, funny, our owner taking to Twitter and just is you you know your season's done when that happens. Well, what I was gonna say is like he's always been on Twitter, even like earlier in the season, like when he was getting into it with Barstool Sports pr- uh, president Dave Portnoy about like random shit. I'm like, don't you have a team to own? Don't you have a fucking baseball team to own? Why are you getting into arguments with grown ass men on Twitter? Like, get off of Twitter and run your team, jackass. No, that's what you would think, but no, considering we have incompetency incompetency from the top bottom, top down to the bottom, it, it doesn't make for anything good. I mean, it's to me like us, like we just got swept by the Brewers. We were just, the Red Sox just so true against us. I mean, you don't even give yourself a chance at anything. I mean, we lost so many series that like you, you would have looked at it and be like, yeah, the Mets should probably sweep the series or take the majority of the games. And it's just, we can't do that. And I don't know. Now, I, granted, if, if we did have a, a healthy Syndergaard and a healthy to ground for a full season, which will never, ever, ever happen. No. It, it, it's just, a, especially with how much offensive presence we had this year. Yeah. That we, thought we thought we had brought in to just to help our offense get a boost. Didn't Lindor, seem to help. Well. It's like it's James like McCann. It's like years past Mets. It's like that's what we're seeing. Oh, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Honestly, I mean, I I do feel bad. I I do, but I don't because I'm a Yankees fan. So it's kind of funny to watch that happen. But at the same time, I feel bad at the same time because like no fan base like deserves to like 
have like their team like completely like underachieve and shit the bed, especially for like a long period of time. So like I do feel bad for the fans. I don't feel bad for the team mainly because like their own the own Steve Cohen's an idiot. Um, your upper management sucks. I mean, your general manager, like, wasn't he arrested? Like, didn't he get fu- he got fired because and, like he was arrested for DUI, right? Interim GM, interim GM, interim GM. Yeah, because while while he was replacing Sandy Alderson, who like was being forced into a different position, yeah. and then they had to have Alderson like take his take take his old job yeah, back. Yeah, he got a he got a DWI on the way home from the fucking owner's house. Yeah, exactly. So like, it's a complete shit show. Um, uh, then there was the whole thing of like former, like, um, uh, former coaches, like being accused of like sexual harassment and sexual assault or former, like, t- or, like, you know, people in the Mets organization at some point being accused of that. So like, it's like, what the fuck? I mean, like, I do feel bad. I, for, I feel bad for the fans, but yeah, no, I mean, like I said, um, your team has a lot to get, like a lot to do. The East actually has a whole lot to do, honestly. Um, but yeah, no. I am here on out, cheering for the Tampa Bay Rays to to win the World Series. Oh, I, you mean the I, soon to be Montreal Expos? I hope so, because the Expos have the sickest jerseys in the league. Well, I mean, Tampa Bay and Montreal, like they're gonna be splitting, like yeah, they're gonna they're, be splitting games. They're gonna be going half and half, right? Yeah, they're going to be going half and half, which is what Montreal did 20 years ago before they moved to Washington. What, because... what are they going to do? You know what they're going to be called? Are they still going to be called the Tampa Bay Rays? I have no clue. Well, I am hopping on the bandwagon for the end of this season because my team just absolutely shit the bed. Okay, so I'll be rooting against you yet again, but that's okay. That's fine. I, I just I, I can't, I can't cheer for the Red Sox or Yankees. I don't well, know. Why. I, mean, I just don't enjoy either of those teams, but I would pick the Giants at this point. I would pick the Yankees over the Red Sox. Um, because I, they're in the NL. I can't, I can't cheer for another <laughs> NL team. Okay. That's fair there. That's fair there. It's like me cheering. I can't do it. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. That's I'd be like fair. you cheering for like the Houston Astros. But I Why guess would I ever fucking do cheaters. that? They're fucking cheaters. Why would I ever fucking do that? I'd rather gouge my eyes out. But um, uh, scumbags. Yeah. We'll never let that down. Scumbags, exactly. But yeah, no. Um, so Plisco, yeah, fuck I, you though. Red Sox aren't making the fucking playoffs. You dick. He, he, <laughs> I, there was our weekly shout out to Plisco, <laughs> but um, uh, he told me that he hasn't been paying attention for a month, anyways. But so he's um, like, he's uh, in my shoes. Yeah, he's in your shoes. He had no clue. He thought the Red Sox were eliminated from contention already. He's been focusing on he's been focusing on football. Told me he's rooting for both the Rams and the Bills because he wants Stafford to succeed. And I'm like, Paiska, you were a Lions fan at one point. Stop your shit. He's just a where he at fans, like those NBA fans that just cheer forever LeBron goes. He's just cheering forever Matt Stafford. A little different, but he's cheering forever Matt Stafford goes. I respect it. I respect it. Yeah, but respectable. Yeah, I do respect it in a way. But yeah, no, I mean, Tampa Bay is going to be splitting time in Montreal. uh, And they're actually promoting that during the playoffs. Like they're going to have a sign in the truck. You got to wait till after the playoffs happen to do that. Like that's where my take on it. It's like you can't be promoting stuff for next season if this season isn't finished. Especially yet. if you're like not playing games in your own city. Like you, you like what are you doing? Like that's just like the top like top five dumbest things well, I've ever seen I mean, in my life. Tampa Bay baseball fans aren't really great fans. To be fair, they're just they. I mean, you look at four years ago, five years ago, when the Rays sucked. No one was in that stadium. 
Well, the Rays haven't been in that stadium anyways. I mean, the trap is a complete shit show. Yeah. Nobody would ever want to go there. I mean, it's one of the, ugly, the it's probably the ugliest stadium in baseball. Well, that stadium actually needs to be torn down and built. The only thing is though, what stinks is like I was talking with uh, about this with somebody else a couple of days ago, or maybe even yesterday, about like if they like start tore down the trap and started from scratch, would fans still go to games? My thing is, is I don't think they would because like they play in St. Petersburg which is a half hour away from Tampa. Yeah. I think maybe like they should like move closer to Orlando, or at least this is like what my friend was telling me, like move closer to Orlando. The only thing that stinks is, is like, you're not going to get true baseball fans. Like if you move them to Orlando, you're going to just get a bunch of tourists who are yeah, looking for something to do. I was just about to say, if they moved any closer there, they're going to get tourists because I mean, you got Disney right there. So you got families coming through there all the time just for vacations and stuff. Exactly. You're never going to have any true race fans. You're not going to have season ticket holders. I mean, you'll make a shit ton of money on season. Yeah, their season ticket holders now are people that probably live right right by their stadium and stuff who are an easy drive there. But if they move to like the big, like into the city, people aren't going to want to go. People aren't going to, well, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, like we did, yeah, well, the Raiders are an exception. Raider Nation goes everywhere. They're like Grateful Dead fans. They'll follow the team wherever. But, um, uh, um, but yeah, no, Tampa Bay situation is completely like, like it's ridiculous in my opinion. I think honestly, like either relocation needs to happen and just send them somewhere else. Or like you just start from scratch, tear down the trap and build a stadium like in Tampa, actually, and get them out of St. Pete. Because St. Pete, honestly, like the trap is terrible. It's a dog shit stadium needs to like fucking go away. Um, and I do feel bad in a way because like I feel bad in a way because like they're a very successful team. Like they're the defending American League champions. Like they've made the postseason uh, more times than missed it in the past like few years. I mean, like they put competitive teams out. The only thing that sucks is, is that they don't want to spend money. So who knows how long this money ball type bullshit is going to keep going well, because on. Because the money that city, the city of Tampa Bay would rather spend money on the Bucks and the Lightning. Yeah, exactly. Well, what I'm saying is the owners, like the owners of the Rays, they don't oh, care. Oh, yeah, sorry. I thought, I thought we were going to – I thought we were just talking about the city. Well, the because, city well, – like, you, know, you know what happens when the new stadium is built? It's mainly on the city to get the funds. Oh, I know that. Well, I mean, like look at Buffalo. Like the Bills yeah, want to get a new stadium. Don't, uh, don't even get me started on that. PSLs happen everywhere. I'm – I keep seeing people like, you know, complain it, about it. On- it. It's a stupid idea because you lose, in theory, you're going to lose money on it. In you are theory. going to lose. Well, you're losing money on theory for the first couple of years. Then you're going to make your money back by year three. And then after that, you're going to retain a profit. The only thing is, though, is a lot of people like aren't familiar with PSLs because PSLs don't happen in smaller markets. Buffalo is a smaller market. But the thing is, though, is there are a lot of franchises in the National Football League that actually have PSLs um uh, four season tickets so like because what they are is like if you want season tickets like you don't pay for like just season tickets you get to pick like where you want to sit you're you're, you're basically buying a seat yeah you're buying you're buying a seat so like you're buying a seat to get for season tickets so you pay for that seat then you get then you pay for the season tickets in that seat so that's like why i get why fans are pissed but the, at the same time like that's commonplace now it just well, so I mean, happens i mean but like you said it happens in bigger cities where people are going to want to like are willing to spend that bigger amount of cash because as as much as uh, the bills said they want to sell for like 10 grand a seat which i think is just kind of ridiculous. one grand oh i saw 10 grand only a grand 
as low as a grand, like no, as low oh, as a grand. See, I okay, I I'm wrong because I when I read it, I read it, I thought it was ten grand for this. As seat. low as a grand, yeah. So, oh, so as low not, as a grand. That's not that's terrible. Not, that's not no, terrible, it's not. Ben. But then you got to look at how much the season tickets are going to cost. And because the team is actually good, season tickets could potentially increase over the years too. Exactly. But the that's thing the is. Issue. Another issue too. No, is this... grant, now that you, now that I, because I, 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 when I read it online, I saw it was ten grand. So I'm like, that's just ridiculous. Who's going to want to pay that? But a grand is a little more reasonable. A grand is like more reasonable. But the thing is too is like I see why a lot of fans are getting mad too because the thing is though is like if they're going to have an outdoor stadium in the same fucking area that like with is... less seats. With less seats. Now let me let me go into it a little bit here, and probably this will be my final thoughts here, actually. Um, but you have you're gonna build if they want to build a stadium in the same area that is already difficult to get to in the first place in the current stadium that is going to be open roof, and we all know how new winters are in Western New York. Are people going to want to pay that money to get their own seats? And if they choose not to go to a football game, like once the holidays come, um, even though they're season ticket holders, like when the weather gets cold, like it starts to snow in December, January, like type weather, like they're going to feel like they wasted money. And at the same time, too, it's like, yeah, there's gonna, there's lower seats, which means they're not going to have like, what's the capacity? Oh, 65,000, something like that. Uh, right now it's 65. 65. So they want want to get down to 45. That's too low. 50, uh, 55 to 60,000. They're taking away 20,000 seats in the new stadium. That's insane. That's stupid. If we want to build a stadium in Buffalo that people are going to come to, just say fuck it and spend the money to get a stadium downtown that's a dome. So then we don't have to worry about, yes, I get coming to Buffalo. You get the advantage of playing in snow. But it also hurts our team at some point if we are playing in the snow. I would say the best thing for Buffalo to do is spend the extra money. Again, it's a considerable amount more money to get a dome, but put a dome downtown in the city of Buffalo. Put it right. You could. We've been saying that for years. <laughs> yeah, you could put it. There's room, right? If you go over the Skyway, there's room on the right where there's nothing being built. And you can put it there, so you're not tick, you're not technically downtown, but it's close enough to downtown. I agree. I've always agreed about that. I've had conversations I mean, with. Don't a get lot me wrong. The, the best times I've ever had at Bills games are during snow games. I mean, I was at the snow game when we played the Colts three or four years ago, whenever it was. It was one of the best times of my life. But I'm, I'm sure people, you would get more people willing, to, like besides the diehard fans, willing to go to the games if it is in the dome. Oh, I, I agree. I agree that wholeheartedly. Way, that way we can have – then you're even bringing more money for the city of Buffalo because you can bring concerts in in the winter to play in the new stadium. It's not even the concerts. It's not even the like, concerts, but just other stuff you can have during the, the final winter. final four. There. Like, yeah. you can actually, like, not no just – I'm sorry, but no one wants to go to the, the Key Bank Center and play in the final four. No, they're good. They could have the final four there. They could have like the Super Bowl. They could even like for wrestling fans or even like Marsh MMA fans, like UFC could have a pay per view in Buffalo. Uh, WWE could have WrestleMania in uh, Buffalo. Um, you know, like what I'm saying is like there could be other things that happen in Buffalo and that could boost the economy. Exactly. But the, nobody realizes that. And what it's sucks just is the Pagulas are selfish as fuck and only. 
I fucking oh. I sorry I'm sorry for my language today, people on the podcast. I just this is something I genuinely care about. It's the Pagulas don't care about our teams. No, they don't. I mean, we've had this conversation before with the Sabres, so it goes to show that um, uh, all they care about is making money for themselves and not spending any. But at the same time, what annoys me is like there's a lot of people like out there that really don't understand how PSLs work, and they also don't really understand like about the stadium issue either. Like they're just like, oh. Okay, do that. Like, no, don't fucking just give in and cave in. And if you're against it, like, actually make sure you know what the fuck you're saying. Like, God, yeah, like, I mean, it's I, more. I, I get, like, clearly, I do not think the Buffalo Bills will be moving out of Buffalo. I'll move them to Austin. This is Let's a, make it happen. This is a city that I think just cares too much about their sport. I mean, you look at any blue collar city, not even just Buffalo. You look at the Pittsburghs, you look at the Clevelands, you look at all of the Rust Belt like the Rust Belt teams, these fans genuinely care about their teams. And like, that's why you see they're some of the most diehard fans in the league. So I don't think this Bills team is leaving Buffalo anytime soon, but it's just our ownership who's making a complete mockery of this whole situation and handling it so terribly. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I mean, as more, as more gets into like the stadium issue and everything, um, uh, I know the state's going to start looking into stuff too, but as more, as time progresses on, like we can continue this conversation there. I'll have that put down in a mental note and everything. But other than that, like, I mean, I figured we touched everything and touched base and everything we wanted to touch base about. Uh, do you have any other final thoughts, sir? Um, I, I just have one final thought just going into soccer real fast. Fuck Real Madrid. Fuck their ownership for everything. I, they, they said that no one cares about. They say they're saying no one cares about the UCL group stages as you're not even leading in your group now because your team's an absolute joke. Yeah, you lost to the Moldovan. So for podcast people that like friends of the podcast, people that listen, uh, Real Madrid, like in previous podcast episode, lot way back, we talked about how they wanted to form a Super League. And it didn't work out. And now karma came back to bit, bite them in the ass as they lost to a team from Moldova uh, named Sheriff Terraspal. And the running joke is that Real Madrid lost to an American policeman because they're called Sheriff, it's which just, I find hilarious. It's just funny how now Barcelona and Real Madrid are both the lapping. Like they were the two, they were the two main teams who, well, the ownership wanted the Super League to happen. And now they seem like they might not even make it into the UCL uh, knockout stages. No, the Europa League is calling for both of them. But yeah, no, I'm glad that you mentioned that there. Another crazy week in the UEFA Champions League. You had huge upsets uh, all around. You had Sheriff Tiraspol upsetting Real Madrid. Uh, Club Bruges upsetting RB Leipzig. Although I wouldn't consider that much of an upset based on how Leipzig has been depleted by Bayern. Um, you had... Uh, you had you had Manchester United upsetting Villarreal in the 95th minute due to Cristiano Ronaldo and his. Wouldn't, I wouldn't call it an upset. I was wouldn't, joking there. Wouldn't call it an upset, mate. You guys got saved by Cristiano Ronaldo. We got saved by David David De Gea actually. De Gea kept us in. That, yeah, that's very true. But um, uh, I mean, Liverpool upset Porto by five goals to one. Who nobody ever no saw, saw that, that coming. coming. Yeah, no one saw that coming. Um, uh, but no, crazy week in the Champions League. Uh, as per usual, um, the big ones being Barcelona and Real Madrid losing to Benfica and Sheriff Tiraspol, respectfully. Um, but I've got nothing else. I mean, 
like I said, I'm looking forward to the end of the baseball regular season. Hopefully the Yankees make the wild card game. Um, if they don't, then it's going to be heartbreak. My take on them is that they're either going to ride this all the way to the World Series or the season's going to end in heartbreak, and there is no in-between. Um, uh, but I've got nothing else. If you have nothing else, sir, that concludes another episode of the Lonely Heart Sports Podcast. You can download, listen to, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer your podcast of or your preferred podcast platforms. You can also follow us on Twitter at LHS Podcast 2021. Um, and with that being said, until the next episode, just keep on keeping on. Thank you.